This episode of Weekly Tech is sponsored by The Good Book Company and their new book, Beautifully Distinct, Conversations with Friends on Faith, Life, and Culture, edited by my colleague Trillia Newbell. This book brings together 15 women to discuss a wide-ranging topics on culture. You can learn more at thegoodbook.com. Hello and welcome to Weekly Tech, a new technology podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. Each Monday, we dive into the most pressing and talked about technology stories in order to keep you up to date and prepared for your week ahead. Weekly Tech is brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and I'm your host, Jason Thacker. Alongside this podcast, we also have an email newsletter version of Weekly Tech that you can subscribe to to receive each Monday morning via email at jasonthacker.com slash weeklytech. In this briefing, you can grab the links of the stories we talk about, as well as grabbing the links in the show notes where you subscribe to this podcast. Before we jump into the big story this week, I want to let you know about a new interview series that we started last week on Weekly Tech. Last week, Dr. John Lennox, an Oxford professor and prolific writer, joined me to discuss his new book, 2084, Artificial Intelligence and the Future of Humanity. You won't want to miss this fascinating conversation with Dr. Lennox. To listen to this interview, you can check out jasonthacker.com slash podcast, or you'll find that episode wherever you subscribe to these weekly briefings. This week's big story comes from a new article that I co-authored with my ERLC colleague and social media expert, Conrad Close, about a popular app called TikTok and some of the things you need to know about it. It's honestly hard to describe how influential and far-reaching TikTok has become so shortly, but here are two statistics that put that into perspective. In less than two years since TikTok was released, it's been downloaded over 2 billion times. That's right, 2 billion times. And in just the last quarter, TikTok was downloaded 315 million times, which is the best quarter for any app ever. TikTok was released worldwide on August 2nd, 2018 by its parent company, ByteDance, a Beijing-based internet technology company founded in 2012 as a result of the merger of the lip sync app Musical.ly. TikTok is often described as the first cousin of Vine, which is another popular video app for short videos that was shut down in 2016. TikTok's users can post short videos from 15 to 60 seconds with a massive library of music and sounds. These often take the form of lip-syncing to clips of popular songs with punchy headlines, but users are also able to record their own sounds. TikTok now has an average of 800 million daily users, making it easily one of the top five most used apps available. It's more widely used than Twitter, LinkedIn, or Snapchat. And this is a good reminder for many of us who use popular apps like Twitter that can quickly become an echo chamber just like the rest of social media. But many people don't realize that TikTok is also considered a threat to national intelligence and security by the United States government. TikTok is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance and has repeatedly come under fire for censoring videos that paint the Communist Party of China, or the CCP, in a negative light. For example, videos referencing COVID-19 or coronavirus in China have always been taken down, as are posts referencing Tiananmen Square, Taiwan, or the Hong Kong protest. Last November, TikTok suspended a United States college student for posting videos about the Chinese government and its treatment of the Uyghur Muslims. Numerous government agencies, including the TSA and the Department of Homeland Security, have actually banned their employees from installing TikTok on their devices out of fears of government collection of data from the Chinese Communist Party. 
Another thing you should be aware of concerning TikTok is that a large percentage of the videos center around sexual jokes and innuendo. While TikTok censors nudity, like a number of platforms, it's very loosely enforced. It does not censor profanity, and many of these videos are centered around self-harm or suicidal themes. These themes are almost always presented in a joking way, but it can be harmful. It's been reported that TikTok likely has become the largest percentage of sexual predators on any platform, mainly due to the loose or non-existent moderation enforcement tactics on the platform. It's been reported that TikTok has repeatedly declined to suspend accounts of sexual predators even after deleting the comments that they've posted. Another one of the interesting things about the TikTok app is that this is a type of platform that you don't typically go on to to see the news or to stay up to date on various issues. These entertainment type videos are often served up to you by a sophisticated AI system that selects videos that the company thinks that you'll like based on what you've seen and a number of other factors. This gives a lot of users on TikTok the sense that they're connecting with people about how they really feel rather than just what they're doing. Regardless if you decide to jump on the platform, TikTok is already changing the social media and entertainment environments. Music labels have even changed the names of their songs because of the way the app allows users to search for songs. But it's not just music. Many other companies like YouTube have been experimenting with similar smartphone-based video experiences as we reported here on Weekly Tech. Even though the platform is fraught with complexities and certain dangers, it also provides a moment of levity in the midst of these heavy times that we're all experiencing. If you want to read this full article or anything else we talk about here on Weekly Tech, you can check out the show notes or visit jasonthacker.com slash podcast for more. This week in the rundown, we highlight five different stories as you prepare for your week ahead. First up is a story in Morning Brew about how Microsoft has been laying off a number of its news editors. As of about two years ago, Microsoft News had about 800 editors in 50 locations throughout the world. But now that Microsoft is automating part of its news service using artificial intelligence, the company has laid off about 50 U.S. editors and news staffers, as Business Insider reported last Friday, as well as about 27 contractors from the United Kingdom, as The Guardian reported last Saturday, as AI will partially take over part of the news curation task. This is part of a growing trend that has been exacerbated during this pandemic. It's important for all of us to see how technology is changing the workforce and our communities. Technologies like AI will indeed take over certain jobs, but more likely scenario is that part of our jobs will be automated in the coming years, and we need to prepare now to equip our communities to navigate these complex issues surrounding job loss and job shifts, especially in the midst of this pandemic. Next up is a story from Axios about the technology of witnessing brutality. As George Floyd's death in Minneapolis sparked widespread protest across our nation, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz said, thank God for a young person who had a camera to video it. Axios reports that improvements of these type of technologies like smartphones and video capture over the past century mean that we're more instantly and viscerally aware of each of these racial injustices. These injustices have been taking place for decades, but in some cases they're just coming to light because of technology and video evidence. But unless these types of videos that are being collected and distributed as evidences of injustice can drive up actual change in our society, it's just going to fuel up frustration and despair. Axios says that the bottom line is that most of these smartphones and social media accounts can only deliver direct accounts of grief and rage-inducing stories. They cannot provide the context or the larger sense of how many of these incidents aren't actually being reported. And they don't actually offer guidance about how to channel the anger that these reports stoke or how to stop the next incident from happening. 
Next is a story from the Washington Post about how Snapchat says that it will no longer promote President Trump's account in the Discover tab of this popular social media app the company said last Wednesday, after a week of showdowns between the president and social media companies such as Twitter and Facebook. While the president's account will still be live on the app, it will not show up in the Discover tab where it suggests stories for people to watch or people to follow. Snap, the parent company of Snapchat, made the decision last weekend after a series of protests that engulfed our country. This is alongside when Twitter put a warning label on several of the president's tweets. All of this adds to the growing concerns about free speech in the digital environment and the increased debate over Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act. If you want to learn more about Section 230, you can check out my recent interview with World Radio. We'll link to it in the show notes. Next is a story from MIT's Technology Review about how NASA astronauts just flew SpaceX Crew Dragon into orbit for the very first time. Amidst all of the chaos over the last few weeks, there was an actual bright spot. NASA astronauts launched from U.S. soil for the first time in nine years, and they did so on a private vehicle for the first time in history. SpaceX launched the Falcon 9 rocket carrying Crew Dragon last weekend from the Kennedy Space Center. The Falcon 9 successfully deployed the vehicle into orbit and then returned back to Earth landing on SpaceX Atlantic Ocean drone ship. If I'm being honest, I've always loved space, and this is a story that really gets me excited about the future of space exploration and travel. If you missed the launch or the even more impressive landing of the Falcon 9 on the drone ship, make sure to check that out online. The last story in the rundown this week comes from Axios, where a Chinese corona test maker has agreed to build a gene bank in a controversial region of China. A leading Chinese gene sequencing and biomedical firm said that it would build a gene bank in the Yinjiang region supplying coronavirus tests around the world. U.S. officials are worried that this widespread coronavirus testing facility may provide an opportunity for state-connected companies to compile massive DNA databases for research, as well as genetic-based surveillance. It's long been known that the Chinese government has various relationships with private Chinese companies that often work hand-in-hand for various surveillance and data mining tools. The Chinese government has already pushed beyond what most people consider acceptable ethical boundaries on human genetic research. And you may recall that China has imprisoned millions of Uyghur Muslims in the Yinjiang region and forced them into labor camps throughout the region and even throughout the world. This massive human rights violation follows a long line of these abuses by the Chinese Communist Party. This new gene bank should raise concerns for all since the Chinese Communist Party is known to have access and direct the operations of these private Chinese companies for a very long time. Well, that's it for this week. I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can help spread the word about Weekly Tech by sharing these episodes with friends and colleagues. And as always, you can find show notes for all of the things that we talk about here on Weekly Tech in the email newsletter version of this briefing at jasonthacker.com slash podcast. Hope you have a great week. 